Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello, podcast listeners. How are you doing? I hope you're doing good. I am actually having a really good day, um, which is great because I'm supposed to be recording a bunch of content for today. Today. It's awesome because sometimes content recording days, I am not in a good mood, but I have said that I'm going to do it anyway. But today I'm just feeling great and I'm grateful that I'm feeling great. I think that it's normal to go through different mood shifts throughout the month, especially if you're a female. Um, Some days just aren't so good, but when days are good, we often don't take time to appreciate it. And just like when you are feeling bad, adding layers of shame for feeling bad doesn't help you. When you're feeling good, what does help you is appreciating that you're feeling good and just being super grateful for it. So yeah, I was on a high today, had a lot of caffeine, had a lot of sleep, and I feel like I'm coming out of a funk. So let's do this podcast today. I want to talk today about urges. So I was running yesterday and I was thinking about um, you, you typically while I'm running, I get my best ideas for content and business and helping others. Uh, I think it's due to like blood flow and just more oxygen running through my veins. And also I listen to music while I run. So my mind's pretty open. I just have freedom to think and it's very monotonous, especially the longer I run. Like I just, I'm just with my brain. So all those things. And then I feel good after I run. So I get a lot of good ideas then. But I was thinking yesterday about something a client said to me she, on that day yesterday. She said, I feel like I've had to hear the pause method and how to deal with urges a thousand times before I finally get it, before I finally got it. And I was thinking, yeah, it actually takes you quite a while and you can hear it explained in so many different ways before it actually sinks in. And then I was listening to Stacey Bayman, a mentor that I love, uh, talk about how you won't really know how to do something until you actually do it. And so whenever you're trying to figure out how to do something, you're constantly thinking like, yeah, but I don't know how, but how exactly do you do that? You won't actually know till you do it, till you actually move through it. And I had heard people talk about um, different ways to handle urges, different uh, ways that they talked about resistance versus willpower a thousand times, but it wasn't until I actually applied it on my own and then figured out what worked for me that I was actually able to then do it and replicate it and then describe it in a way. And I finally get it now. I understand what it's like to resist an emotion, resist an urge versus allowing an urge or processing an urge or dismissing an urge. I know what the difference is and when I'm using willpower versus when I'm not. However, you out there listening, maybe you don't, maybe you're like, I don't, when people say that, it just goes over my head. I think they're all bullshitting. I think it's always willpower. I don't know what the hell they're talking about with allowing an urge. How's that even possible? What's the difference? So I wanted to talk about that today. And on my run, I thought about what if I can just come up with as many ways as possible to describe an urge to people and how to think about an urge. And maybe something will stick for people. Maybe it's just constantly think of analogies and all the analogies I've come up with and heard from other people and give them to you. Maybe that'll help you process it. So that's what I was going to do in the podcast today is talk a little bit about the difference between allowing versus resisting an urge. And then also give you a bunch of different analogies. Some are not mine. I'll, I'll give them credit when I go over it. And some 
some of them are just mine and some of them I think are mine, but I think other people have come up with the same analogy because it's what you can attribute it to. But yeah, hopefully this episode help, helps you. And also what I'm doing from this is in, our, in my private group coaching program, I am doing an urge workshop next month where we're going, let me pull up my notes real quick, actually where we're going to go over what an urge is. And then we're going to go over the different ways to deal with an urge. The ways that I teach in my program, the quickly dismissing, so like a quick pause method, acknowledging and processing, hard pause. Then we'll talk about different ways to actually process an urge, ways to acknowledge it and what's important for that. And then how to engage intentionally and intentionally in an urge. So if you were going to engage in the behavior, how do you engage in with the urge without with taking responsibility and why that's helpful and without shame or guilt and that sort of stuff. So we'll talk about those different things, different methods for dealing with urges, different ways to think about it. And then afterwards, we'll think about your mindset around urges, how it can help you you and then just simply we're going to practice it in uh in our actual course we have a private facebook group and we'll probably be posting in there more frequently about different techniques and little challenges you can do each day to practice dealing with urges so i think it's going to be helpful if you're interested in that you need help with that um you need someone to help you stay accountable my group coaching program is awesome and i highly recommend that you check it out uh since you're a podcast listener you can get ten dollars off your first month if you go to my website there is a 10 off coupon and you can just use that to use the group coaching program and it's amazing i recommend it to everyone who needs help. So um, for those of you guys watching on YouTube, I just put my hair behind my ears. I always try to make my hair look cute and like not put it behind my ears. But when I'm getting serious, it has to be out of my face. Otherwise I can't think. So, okay. The first thing I think I should start talking about is how, what's the difference between resisting and allowing an emotion or allowing an urge? A lot of people say when you're trying to actually deal with urges to binge and purge, you should allow the urge versus resist it. Well, what the hell does that even mean? I'm going to go through analogies, but resistance, resisting means you are actively trying to fight against the emotion of the urge. You are actively trying to not feel the urge. You're actively trying to make the urge go away. You're actively resisting that urge being in your body in any shape or form. The feeling of it, the idea of it, you're trying to pretend that it's not there. You're trying to just fight it in whatever capacity. And generally, when people think of resisting, they think of willpower and they think of just constantly trying to use your higher brain to just not give in to the urge. And that's what I think a lot of people view resisting as, just not allowing the emotion, not feeling it doing anything in your capacity to not feel it and never acknowledging it's there and actively trying to not engage in it. Allowing an urge, which is what people generally recommend in when it comes to dealing with urges. I have several different ways of actually allowing an urge in several, several different ways. Sometimes I recommend, which you heard me say I'm going to be teaching in my program, which is quickly dismissing an urge, which is technically not allowing. It's just dismissing it altogether. But if you are going to acknowledge and allow an urge, that more looks like you are accepting that the urge is in your body, which I know sounds woo. I'm going to go over analogies for that. But you are no longer fighting the urge being there and you're allowing it to be in your body. Um, And I'm going to use an analogy here, but almost like you're letting something like water wash over you're melting melting over you right you're now accepting the feeling i commonly think when people are resisting they are tensed up when i'm resisting something i i remember one time when i was a kid actually 
I was, I loved roller coasters. I've loved them ever since I was a little girl. I still do. You put, that's why I like theme parks. Like, I don't care if it's uh, not very classy. If you put me in a theme park, I'm going to go on all the roller coasters and I'm going to laugh my head off and have a hell of a time. However, when I was a little kid, we were at a carnival and we were riding the seesaw ride. It's, I don't know what it's called, but in America, there's these carnivals where there's a ship and the ship will start swinging back and forth and you sit on either side of the ship. It's like little rows, pews, almost like in a, in a church. You sit in there and then the ship will keep swinging and swinging till it's almost completely vertical and you're sitting in it. And it's very scary. It's like the most extreme swing ever. I was riding one of those and I remember getting scared. I was a little kid and suddenly I just didn't feel safe. I felt like, oh my God, probably because it's those things aren't very safe. Carnival rides are pretty shady, but I felt unsafe. And so I remember tensing up and I remember when I felt like, oh my God, I can't get off this ride. There's nothing I can do. So I just closed my eyes and gripped. I remember gripping the railing as tightly as I possibly could and holding my breath for as long as possible. When I did breathe, take like really short, shallow breaths. That is resisting a feeling, right? That is hardcore because a lot of people are having fun. They're laughing. When I'm actually enjoying a roller coaster experience, which is one of my analogies, you're laughing, you're breathing, you're almost like putting your hands up in the air, but resisting emotion is like you're doing everything you can not to feel it and just hold on for dear life, hoping that it will be over. That's resisting an emotion. Allowing an urge is more so when you're like, you start breathing again. You start maybe opening up your body physically, meaning if, if you're not watching on YouTube, um, like moving your shoulders back, opening your chest, wiggling your body a little bit to allow yourself to feel the emotion, actually accept what the urge is doing to your body and explore the emotion. Sometimes people do it mentally. Sometimes people like to think about where do I feel this in my body? I use that technique a lot when I was going through urges is like, where exactly is urge in my body? Is it in my chest? Is it in my throat? Commonly, I always felt urges in my throat and chest my chest would feel very tight. My mouth would feel like it wanted to be doing something. It was really weird, like oral fixation. And my chest would be really tight and feel like I couldn't breathe. Classic anxiety, right? But if you explore and start describing those feelings, sometimes it can allow you to see what's going on, make it not feel as dangerous, and then accept those feelings and let them pass. And the why people say that you should allow an urge versus resist an urge is because the longer you resist it, the more you're waiting to feel it, the more energy it drains. And typically resisting it doesn't get rid of it. Sometimes it does, but not always. And then once you finally stop resisting it, you give into the urge and you feel like the only way to let an urge to, to make an urge go away is to give into it. When you allow an urge, you're allowing the feeling without engaging in the urge, meaning you're being like, okay, the urge is here. The feeling is here. The thoughts to do it are here. I'm acknowledging that they exist and I'm allowing it in my body, but I am choosing not to engage in the activity. I'm going to let this emotion pass till I feel better. A lot of people, they do is they think the urge has to go away for them to not engage in the behavior. But really, if you're looking at the behavior of binging and purging from a habit aspect, you the, the more you engage in the behavior, the more you're going to want to keep on doing it. And just you, like the urge isn't going to go away unless you just wait a long amount of time for you to stop engaging in the behavior. The only way that the urge is not going to keep on coming up is if you stop rewarding the behavior. And to do that, you actually have to feel the feeling without indulging until that feeling goes away because you are no longer rewarding the habit pathway and you're building a new habit pathway in between. Anyway, that was a long sentence, but basically allowing an urge 
gives you the practice of feeling the urge without indulging or engaging, and then gives you the understanding and ability to feel uncomfortable emotions without having to do something about it. That's the most brilliant thing about bulimia recovery. That's the most powerful lesson I've ever learned in my recovery is like, wow, I can have uncomfortable feelings and I don't have to do something about it. Of course, I was talking about my program. You have to take care of your basic needs. You can't always be doing uncomfortable things without giving yourself some sort of relief. But when push comes to shove, something cool about recovery is you learn how to tolerate discomfort and do what you need to do anyway. Do the shit you need to do. So that is the difference between allowing and resisting an urge. Now I'm going to go over some analogies that I created. I wrote down, and maybe I still think of them. I'm still brainstorming, but I think there are about 10 analogies here I wrote down. My run, I was like, you need to list out 100 analogies for how to not, like, for feeling an urge, allowing an urge. I did not get to 100, but I did write out a few. My favorite example, I'll start running through them here. My favorite example is treating an urge like you are walking into cold water. So I've given this example on the podcast before, but I was a swimmer. Um, I still love swimming, uh, but I was like a athlete swimmer in middle school and we would have to get up for 5 a.m. swim practices. I also grew up near Lake Michigan and Lake Michigan really never gets warm. People claim that midsummer it gets a little warm, but I really don't believe them. I've never had to get in that lake without it being super cold. But anyway, people, when they get into cold water, what they want to do, the natural inclination to do, I'm not talking about ice baths, I'm talking about just generally cold water. They want to freeze up. And what they do is they put their toe in, they're like, oh, it's cold. And they tense up and they don't want to move. And then they will inch their body in. And what they're doing is that they're, they're prolonging the experience. They're just going through the torture of feeling cold on their body every inch up. The better way, what I found in swim practice is to literally dive into the water, just fully submerge myself into the water and start moving as soon as possible. Start doing laps, just do a dive in and start doing freestyle laps. And the more I just keep on going through it and keep moving, keep breathing, the more my body will acclimate quicker. Same thing with jumping into Lake Michigan. You jump in, you dunk your head in and you start breathing, you start moving as soon as possible. And that's how the water is going to get, 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 get um, you're going to get acclimated. And the point of that, like if you treat it like an urge, instead of resisting, instead of tensing up, start moving, start moving your body, start breathing, just dive into the motion, stop resisting it. This takes awareness. You need to realize you're resisting it in the first place. But once you realize it, dive into that motion, stop running away from it. Here's another analogy I didn't even write down. It's like you're running away from something. Instead of running from it, you face it like the monster it, right? From the movie it, the clown, like the more you run away from your, the fear of it, the fear gets bigger, right? You need to face your fear and realize it's going to be okay and lean into it. The less power they have, the less power an urge has. Once you stop running from it, it gets a lot less scary and you realize, wow, this isn't that bad. Once you actually acknowledge that the urge is in your body and what it actually feels like, you're able to be like, oh, okay. All right. I understand that. You could also think of an urge as like getting cold water poured over you. It's really intense, but then the more you shake it out and start moving, the easier it'll be. Another analogy that Brooke Castillo has said, I didn't connect with this one as well, actually. So whenever I heard her say it, I was like, I don't know how to apply that. The cold water one for me is much easier because it it literally makes me think of how have I experienced an uncomfortable emotion in my body and gone through it. But this is an uh, analogy a lot of people give. Resisting an urge feels like holding a beach ball underwater. The more you can hold it under, the more energy it burns. You know, if you've ever been holding a beach ball underwater or anything underwater, the more it just wants to keep coming 
coming up above the water, but you have to hold it down constantly. That's you using willpower, right? You're constantly draining your energy, trying to keep the beach ball underwater. And that's why over time, you just want to give into the urge because you're like, I'm sick of resisting. This urge will never be there. So you let it fly up and there's this big burst and then it comes out of the water. But what if you just allow the beach ball to be above water? You stop trying to shove it down and you just allow it to be sitting next to you, waiting next to you. The reason this analogy doesn't connect with me is I'm like, well, but the beach ball's there. Like, what do you do? And that's why you'd want to use the cold water of like allowing it, feeling the beach ball. Maybe you could be like the weird person who's like feeling the beach ball out, like seeing what the texture is like. You could treat the urge that way. Um, now there's another one. I believe that the, I'm sorry for the racist name. I don't know the other term. I should look that up, but it is a racist name. So I'm sorry. I don't even think it's Chinese, but the Chinese finger trap. I don't know if you ever experienced those when you were a little kid. There's these, there's little like woven paper things you put your fingers into. And the more you resist them, the more you keep trying to pull your fingers out of them, the more that the finger trap tightens around your fingers. But the actual way for you to get out of that trap is you push your fingers in, you stop resisting it. And then once you actually lean into it, then the finger trap releases and you're able to pull your fingers out. Urges work the same way. The more you resist it, the more you fight it, the worse it gets. Another analogy I thought of is Devil's Snare. Harry Potter fans out there, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a scene in Harry Potter, the first movie, where the trio, Ron, Hermione, and Harry, all get stuck in something called Devil's Snare, which is like this viney thing. And Ron starts screaming, he starts, he starts resisting, and the more he screams and thrashes, the more the vines start tightening around him. Hermione lets Ron know, hey, stop moving. The more you just allow it to be there and allow the vines to just be here, the more they'll let you go and then you can move through it. So Devil's Snare is kind of like an urge. The more you thrash around, the more you try to resist the urge being there, the more you are like, no, 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 this can't be happening. I shouldn't be having an urge. I'm not having an urge right now. I don't want to, I don't want to feel this. This isn't, shouldn't be happening. The more you're going to mentally build it up in your head, make it a big deal and think that all I can do is resist or to give in. But the more you just are like an urge is here. Okay. This fucking sucks. I acknowledge that the urge is here, but we can't really do anything about it. We know we can't give into it. So we're just going to allow it to be here. Feel the urge around us like the vines, right? And then breathe and keep trying to do what we need to do to feel comforted in other ways. The urge will eventually release you. Um, another example that I've given, although I don't think that I'm the first person to think this, although I felt like I put my own spin on it, but and urges are like roller coasters, right? And like I was saying in the beginning about the, the swinging thing, the way I handled that was by, you know, tensing up, closing my eyes and praying for dear life that I survived. But another way to feel an urge is to actually just ride the roller coaster and scream and laugh and breathe. I remember because when I go on roller coasters, the funny thing about it is I'm scared. Every roller coaster I go on, I am scared. People think I just love it. It's like, no, I am terrified that actually I'm going to die <laughs> and the roller coaster is going to break the one time I'm on it and I'm going to die. But what I do is I'm kind of just like, allow the fear to be in my body. And I breathe through that fear. And I'm like, we're doing it anyway, though. We're here. We're on it. We can't get off. And then I just try to smile and enjoy the experience. And once the urge, like the roller coaster actually takes off, 
it's super fun. And I urge you can think of the same way as how you experience any uncomfortable emotion like a roller coaster. You experience an urge the same way of being anticipating it, understanding it's going to be uncomfortable, but understanding it's a ride and it'll eventually be over, but you're in for the ride regardless. You can't get out of it. So you might as well just feel it out until it, it dissipates. Um, and you can, in the moment, if you can't do anything else, you can, you know, take the fetal position and breathe and, and try your best to tense up till you feel ready to do something else again. That is an option too. If you feel really like you're in that freeze, freeze mode of your stress cycle. Um, another analogy that I think is, uh, helpful is like a horror movie. Um, those move like I've never really been into horror movies, but my boyfriend really is. And so I've had to get used to watching them because I, I don't have to watch it with him, but I think it's an experience and I think it does culture me in some ways, but something I do with the horror movies is when I watch them, sometimes I, I plug my ears. <laughs> I just allow myself to feel and visually see what's going on. But sometimes like taking away an auditory sense makes it less scary. But I think when you're dealing with urgent you're again you're feeling fear and you should find ways to deal with the fear in different ways like I feel like when we have urges what we do is we're like you shouldn't be feeling this this is bad um you shouldn't be uncomfortable in any way therefore the only way that you are allowed to get through this is just by feeling it and being discomfort until it goes away no what if you're really feeling fear you should probably do something to comfort yourself for me that's plugging my ears so I don't have to hear the sound that makes it way more scary if you're having an urge, maybe there's something you can do to make yourself more comfortable while you're feeling an urge. You don't just have to go through torture. I feel like we all think we have to go through things in the most hardest way possible, or otherwise we didn't do it right. That's BS. Like You should do things in the easiest way possible so you can move on to what's really important. So find a way to comfort yourself during an urge the way you would a scary movie. Another way to think about it is scratching an itch. Someone said this on Instagram. I thought it was really good, but uh, I think if chicken pox... And I've never had chicken pox, thank goodness. But I know that the rule is you're not supposed to itch yourself. You're not supposed to scratch those dots. <laughs> I don't know why, but I know you're not supposed to. Don't itch. However, how do you deal with an itch you're not supposed to scratch? Because you know it's going to make it worse. Well, you understand, firstly, you have the awareness of if I scratch that itch, it's only it's going to get offer me instant relief, but then it's only going to make it worse. And it's going to intensify the need to itch it until I am raw. So you have that understanding and commonly when I've like, have, have you ever been in a situation where you have some itch, but your hands aren't free. So you can't like, I felt like random, like a back itch is some TMI, but I've random back itch, but I'm like riding a bike or something. So it's like, I can't, I can't itch myself right now. I can't do that. So if you have an itch, it's super uncomfortable and you have to just breathe, right? You have to breathe and kind of almost distract yourself from the feeling or just kind of be like, this is what I almost sometimes pinpoint the itch. I'm like, what does that itch feel like? This sucks. All right. This is where it is. Is this feeling tolerable? I can tolerate it. It's okay. And then you also know that eventually that itch will go away. Unless something is severely wrong, that itch will eventually subside because your brain in your body does something really cool, it will numb your pain over time. It will numb feelings that are just constant. Like if someone is constantly poking you, and poking you and poking you, eventually that poke, you'll become kind of numb to it because you're just used to it. Your body's like, well, we're not answering it. I feel like we this isn't necessary. So let's get like numb to this poke just a little bit. You'll probably still feel it, but you'll your body will block it out. It'll block it out a little bit. So with urges, what if you treated an urge like a an itch that you're not supposed to scratch? And you know that you the more you scratch it, the worse it's going to get, the more it's going to reward that behavior. And you have faith that eventually the itch will go away. So you understand that all I need to do is just not engage into the itch 
and keep breathing, keep doing what I need to do, comfort myself, maybe make do something to make the itch more comfortable, like get some ice or something, and then eventually it will go away. That is a good thing to do. Also something, maybe this isn't um, personally relevant to you, but for me it is. Another analogy I came up with was hiccups. So I don't know about you, but when I get hiccups, it's a hiccup day. I don't know why that is. <laughs> I have not looked it up. But when I have hiccups once, I know I'm going to have hiccups at least three more times, about of hiccups. And I know what happens with me. Some people are like, I can get rid of hiccups. I can't seem to get rid of them. But I know the more I fixate on the hiccups, the more I get upset. And the more I hiccup, the more I keep trying to get rid of them, it's like the worse that they are. But the more I just forget about the hiccups, and I'm like, okay, we're having hiccups. This sucks. Let's breathe. Let's just breathe through the hiccups and let's go about our business. Let's get distracted in something else. Somehow they miraculously go away. They will come back, but they will go away. And then usually when I wake up the next morning, the hiccups is gone until they're going to come back next month and plague me for a day. For you, if you experience the same things, maybe that's good. Kind of just allowing it to be there, surrendering almost. I have to surrender to hiccups, but then knowing that eventually the hiccups will go away, especially when you get distracted. I think getting distracted on something else helps my breathing somehow, which has to do with hiccups. For you, getting distracted in something else could help you with urges. Like you've accepted that the urge is there. You've also accepted you're not going to engage in it. And so the next step is for you to just allow it to be there and then move on. Kind of like any other shitty part of your day. Like when someone cuts you off in traffic, the best thing you can do is instead of ruminating, getting angry over it, Miami, like one of the best skills Miami taught me, because everyone's a horrible driver there. I'm sorry, Miamians, um, is like, okay, this person did an asshole thing. All right, we're, we're not going to let them steal any more joy from our day. We're just going to accept it and move on. That's what I did. And it was such a good skill because it's like, oh, this happened. All right, moving on. I don't want to, I don't want to spend another ounce of my time on this. So let's just move on. And that's what you could do with an urge, right? I know it depends on the level of intensity, which we will be discussing in the workshop, but that is a tactic you can use. Again, I know I'm just going wildfire on these, but I just want to give you as many examples as possible so your brain can pick up on some way to think about urges and apply it to your life. The last few examples I have is treating it like a shady salesman, or you could treat it like on a street or a cat color on the street, especially ladies out there. If you've ever been cat called or like some shady salesman is trying to harass you on the street, um, you're not rude, but you don't want to be harassed, right? You don't want this person to engage in conversation with you. You just want to move on with your day. And a lot of people use terrible tactics. So the best action you can take is to ignore, ignore and dismiss. And the less you, if you engage, just give that shady salesman an ounce of an idea that you are interested in what they have to sell, or like a cat caller, you don't know if the person's dangerous. If you give them an ounce of interaction, sometimes they will pursue you, right? So you know the best course of action is just to acknowledge in your mind that it's there, but keep walking. It's almost like another analogy a coach gave me one time is treating urges like headlines. You are watching the main, like on a TV newscaster, you're watching the newscaster, right? And you're watching them, but below the newscaster, there's constant headlines running through. You don't pay attention to the headlines unless it's important to you. You pay attention to the newscaster. Same with on a street. If you have an urge harassing you from the side, you can use the method of dismissing it, acknowledging it's there and quickly dismissing it and deciding we're not engaging that, we're going to keep on going. And sometimes that's all it can take to just quickly let an urge dissolve. I find that a lot of people urges get way bigger sometimes when you start freaking out about them, just like with the shady salesman or the cat collar. Um, if you've already started freaking out, then these other tactics could be helpful. But a good way to prevent an urge from growing is this tactic. 
Um, and then also you could treat urges like they are backseat drivers, again, kind of the dismissal tactic. This was another sample given to me in the life coach school. I don't know if it was Brooke Castillo or it was someone else, but um, if you hear people that are from LCS, they commonly use this example. So it's not my original idea, but backseat driver is constantly someone who's trying to help you. They're giving you tons of advice, but as the driver, it's in your best interest to just pay attention to the road and ignore them and know that you are the one ultimately in the driver's seat. And what you really need to do is give the backseat driver a blanket, let them know you've got this and that it's fine. And you're going to keep on driving. You can treat an urge in the same way. And then also this thing's a little bit vague, like this analogy doesn't quite hold up, but I think it's still helpful is to treat an urge like you would an injury or sickness. So what if you treat an urge the same way you treat yourself or like an injury that you're having? If you have a broken leg, you're not going to freak out about that broken leg. You're not going to obsess over it. You're just going to be like, what do we need to do to heal? And an urge, it's funny when we get an urge, we go to self-blame and we get annoyed with it and we get upset with it. We may get annoyed when we're injured or sick, but ultimately we know that we can't help it and we just need to get better. With an urge, you could treat it as such, being like, okay, we're having an urge. Clearly something's going on. Clearly we're upset. Even if it's just that we're feeling an uncomfortable emotion because of the habit that we built up and now we need to address that and maybe we need to do something to make ourselves feel better that doesn't include engaging in the urge. There, something really important to know about urges is you can treat them in different ways. You don't have to engage in the behavior to make yourself feel better. And a big skill you learn in recovery also is how do I make myself feel better without engaging in eating disorder behaviors? One of my clients yesterday said something so brilliant um, that I rec- that I recorded for her in an email, which was, uh, she said, I don't want to keep associating negative emotions with my eating disorder. And what she meant by that was, I don't want to keep having negative emotions and then immediately answering them with my eating disorder. And it's funny because she had an episode after like months and months of not having an episode. And she was like, I've been having urges more intensely since this episode, but what's been keeping me at bay is knowing I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to keep addressing my behaviors in this way. It's not sustainable. It's not um, how I want to live my life. It's not comfortable, all these things. So that's been helping her. Same with you. Every time you have a negative emotion, you have to learn how to deal with it differently. You don't have to, but if you don't, you're going to have consequences later on the road and you're never going to learn how to deal with it in a more uh, productive way and maybe a way that benefits you more. We think like, oh, this is just helping us in certain ways, but actually your eating disorder is causing more detrimental ways. And there's actually ways to deal with emotions that not only help you solve the emotion, but then give you more positive benefits outside of that, like meditation, right? Or something like that. Anyway, wow, I just like talked a lot. I feel like I was talking really fast, but maybe I wasn't. Anyway, hopefully that podcast episode helped you. I know it's kind of just like word vomit, but I really wanted to give you just, I wanted to oversaturate your brain with many different ways to think about urges. Hopefully one of those analogies connected it with you. And I think the more you can think of your own analogies too, the easier it'll be. Try to think of different, the best way you can think of analogies, how I come up with these things is like, what uncomfortable thing do I have to do in my life? And how does this apply to urges? Because that's what urges are, is dealing with discomfort and not engaging. You do that in your life every day. So think about that. How do you deal with those urges? Like urges when you want to go to work in the morning, or you don't want to go to work in the morning, you want to stay asleep in bed, but you get up anyway. How do you deal with that urge? 
use that skill in your life. Um, if you want more help on this, please join us for our workshop. It's going to be great. I'm excited. We haven't done a workshop in a little while. We've done like um, recovery weeks, which have been cool, but I'm I'm doing a workshop this month in uh, February, and I think it's going to be awesome. All you have to do to join that is go to uh, bingebreakers.com and just click on Bulimia Breakup Program and you will be able to join right away and you'll get access to an awesome course with, with lots of available material for you to go through. You can listen to pre-recorded group coaching calls and you can join us for our Sunday group coaching calls at 9 a.m. Mountain Time, which are great. A lot of people are talking on those and people love like hearing different stories talking at the group so supportive. You can join the Facebook group too. So if you found this helpful, definitely join that. And also, if you are like, group coaching is not for me, I really need someone to focus on, I have availability right now for private coaching. So you can book a consult on there. If you book a consult, you'll have to answer quite a few questions. Those questions are important. I just recently changed that up. They're questions that help me determine how I can better help you and if we're going to be a good fit or not. So they're not just meant to be tedious and make you feel like you have to answer a million questions. I, I chose the, those questions carefully so that I can best serve you on the consult call. And consult calls are awesome because you get to know what's going on with you. A lot of people that don't work with me on consults, I'm not trying to say book a consult with me because to, to not work with me, but people that jo join my consult calls, but they don't even end up working with me, they find them super beneficial because they gain awareness, clarity, they release shame on those calls, and then they know what they want to do, even if it's not working with me. So group coaching, workshop, urges, join, be there if you want to. And if you need more, I have private coaching available now, which is great too. And private coaching clients always get access to my group coaching stuff as well. Anyway, I'll let you guys go. I've been talking long enough. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm in a great mood today and I'm excited to record more content. Never give up on yourself, my friends. Bye. Hey, if you found this episode helpful, check out my website at bingebreakers.com. It has free courses, awesome group coaching and private coaching available to you right now.